be in lights on a marquee. The world may not applaud when I sing. I can be a light to a friend in the night. That's all that I desire to be. So remind me, Lord, you call me. Sometimes I may be weary, but if one soul is saved, it's worth it all. And when I see those teardrops falling, then remind me of my calling. And may I never run from the call. Just a child, I knew all the while you wanted me to sing, Lord, just for you. Count the miles, sometimes I get so tired, but after all you've done, it's the least that I can do. I can do. So remind me, Lord, you called me. Sometimes I may be weary. But if one soul is saved, it's worth it all. When I see those teardrops falling, they remind me of my calling. And may I never run from the call. There's a world out there that's dying. It's full of lonely people crying. And you've chosen me to tell them about about you So remind me Lord you called me Sometimes I may be weary But if one soul is saved It's worth it all And when I see those teardrops falling They remind me of my calling And may I Never run From the call Thank you, Brother Terry. Well, if you brought your copy of God's Word, please turn to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. I'll share. That is our text. And I'm going to be sharing several passages of Scripture. You may just have to jot them down as a reference, and then I'll maybe you can go back for the sake of time and read them at another time. But Luke chapter 22, while you're finding that passage, let me just say a thank you to those who came yesterday and helped with our uh, work session. We had a good work session. Um, uh, well, Tuesday night we had a work session. We had... Uh, and then this yesterday, I guess we had about 25 here yesterday. Got a lot of work done inside and packed up the trailer for Builders for Christ. It's almost ready to go. And then the Sunday school rooms and children's department, they were cleaned and vacuumed. Really looked good. And, and uh, cabinets were wiped down with furniture polish. And the preschool looks really good. And, and so just had a good day. So thank you so much for coming, those that were able to yesterday. And there'll be other work sessions as time goes on. And so let me say thank you for, for what you're doing and, 
and um, so perhaps before long we'll be able to be in our in our facility in our building Luke chapter 22 let's begin reading with verse 39 and he came out and he went as he was wont to the Mount of Olives and his disciples also followed him and when he was at the place he said unto them pray that you enter not into temptation and he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast and he knelt down and he prayed saying father if it be willing if thou be willing remove this cup from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven strengthening him and being in agony he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground and when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Look, if you will, at verse 42 for verse text. Saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will but thine be done. Amen. Luke chapter 22, verses 39 through 46, you have the awful recordings of Christ's agony in the garden just before he was betrayed. The Lord was so agonizing in prayer that he begins to literally sweat drops of blood. Now Luke is the only gospel writer who mentions the sweat as great drops of blood. Luke was a physician. And so Dr. Luke uh, was aware of, perhaps, of this rare physical phenomenon known as hematidrosis. Hematidrosis is when tiny blood vessels rupture in the sweat glands and they produce a mixture of blood and sweat. So Jesus, I believe with all of my heart, that Jesus Christ was in such agony of wanting to accomplish the Father's will that he sweated great drops of blood. Now, however, the point of the text is not about the blood. The point of the text is not about the sweat. The point of the text is the agonizing of Jesus Christ to do the will of the Father. The agonizing of Jesus Christ to do the will of the Father. He had a compassion of wanting to do the will of the Father. Now earlier he had told his disciples in John chapter 6 verse 38, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. He had this compassion, this desire of wanting to do the will of the Father. And so the night before he was crucified, before he suffered, before he suffered physically and emotionally, before he hung on a cross bearing the sins of the world, there was only one desire that consumed him. And that was to do the will of the Father. Not my will, but your will be done. 
So the question this morning for us is simply this. Do, do we have that same desire? Do you have a desire to do the Father's will? Do you have a desire for the Father's will to be done in your life? Do you have that desire? Is that a great desire for you? You see, God has a will. We call it a purpose oftentimes. God has a will. God has a purpose for us. Everything that was created or has been created has a purpose. Everything, every person created has a purpose for being created. You and I have a purpose. I watch Fox News a lot and from time to time they have this breaking news. So the breaking news this morning for us is God is not trying to hide His will from you. He's not trying to hide His will from you. God's not trying to conceal His will from you or to conceal His will from me. Psalms 16 verse 11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So the point being, God has a will for our lives and God is more concerned about us finding His will more than we are concerned about finding His will. He is not trying to conceal His will from you. Now, there are some things that God's will is pretty plain. John 6 verse 40 says, This is the will of Him who sent me. Jesus speaking. This is the will of Him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up at the last day. So what is His will? After reading that verse, there's no doubt that those who believe in Jesus Christ will have eternal life. As many as believe on Him. This is the explicit will of God. That's his will. That's pretty plain. That's plain. You say, Brother Sammy, what about the will of God for those things in my life, for those issues that I'm going through that are not so plain, that I'm struggling with right now? How do I know it's God's will for me to do this or for me to do that? Because it's not spelled out in his word as such, as plain as John. So how do I know God's will? How do I find God's will when I come to life's crossroad and I have to make a decision? How do I know His will? How do I act on God's will and not on my own selfish personal desires? How do I know that? How can I do that? How can I recognize God's will? Remember, not how I discover it. It's not being hid from you. But how can I recognize it? How can I recognize His will? Well, today I'm going to give you... Well, I'm going to say three basic steps and how we can recognize or that will assist us in recognizing God's will. And you may want to jot these down. Basic steps in recognizing God's will. First of all, be sure you know the Savior. These are really basic steps. Be sure you know the Savior. Common sense will tell you to know God's will, you must know the Savior. I mean, uh, 
Now, let me, let me go and say now, when I say know the Savior, that doesn't mean just to know the facts about the Savior. To know the Savior means to know Him intimately, to know Him personally, to have had a personal relationship with Him, to have asked Him to forgive you and to come into your life and save you, to have a, a new birth experience, to be born into the kingdom of God. To know Jesus is to know Him intimately and personally. Personally, intimately. Do you know Christ? To know His will, first of all, you must know the Savior intimately, personally. 1 Timothy. Jot down 1 Timothy, if you will. And we want to read um, 1 Timothy three, uh, 2, verse 3. Listen to this. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. 1 Timothy 2, verse 4. Who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth? Now, the first step in knowing the will of God is that you must know the Savior. Have an intimate relationship with Him, personal relationship. Without the saving knowledge of God, you cannot discern the things of God. If you're wanting to know God's will for your life, you'll never know God's will for your life apart from having that intimate relationship with God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says it this way. It says, The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man, the unspiritual person, the lost person, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. They are folly. The, I believe I read where the English Standard Version uses the word silliness. They are silly unto him. They're silliness. Neither can he know them. Neither can he understand them because they are spiritually discerned. They're of the Spirit. And so apart from God, you do not understand God's will for your life. So if I want to know God's will for my life in regards to whatever... First of all, I have to have that intimate relationship. I have to know God. Secondly, I must know the Holy Spirit. Now, when you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 9, If any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. And so... The Holy Spirit of God living in me will guide me and empower me to do the Father's will, regardless what that might be. If it's to kill a giant, if that's God's will for Goliath, God will empower... I mean, if that's God's will for David, God will empower David to do His will. If it's preaching at Mountain View Baptist Church, God will empower me to do that. Whatever it is in, my, in our own lives, whatever we're doing, occupationally, whatever, God will empower us to do that if it's His will. And so we must know the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 5 Verse 17 says this, listen. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be ye filled with the Spirit. Now remember, being filled with the Spirit. And Brother Mike did a great job teaching for weeks on the power of the Holy Spirit. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit. 
So to be filled with the Spirit is not to have more of the Spirit, but for the Spirit to have more of us. And so listen, He will guide us and empower us to do the Father's will. When you put it all together, when you know Christ as Savior, and you're being controlled by the Holy Spirit, then He leads us into all truth. Leads us into His Word. Leads us to His Word, in His Word. Don't forget, being sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit or to the leading of the Holy Spirit is a key factor in knowing the will of God. How do I recognize the will of God? Well, first of all, I must know God. Secondly, I must know the Spirit and be led and empowered by the Spirit. Number three, to recognize the will of God for my life, know God, know the Spirit, I must know the Scripture. Know the Scripture. Now, he uses in Ephesians chapter 5, he uses the word unwise there. Let me go back and read that. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Listen to what he says. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You'll never understand the will of the Lord apart from knowing God intimately, apart from having the Holy Spirit, knowing the Holy Spirit, guiding you and empowering you, and knowing the Scripture. You must know the Scripture. He says, don't, don't be unwise. A better word for unwise is senseless. An even better word, stupid. <laughs> don't be stupid and not know the Scripture. You, you'll never know God's will for your life if you're stupid when it comes to knowing the Scripture. I like to what, what John Phillips says in his commentary. I was reading this this morning. He says, <clears throat> The height of stupidity is to have in one's hand the very word of the living God, embraced by the omniscient, all-wise creator of the universe, and neglect to read it and study it and memorize it and obey it. He says, we go on and we spend years going to colleges and universities studying this field and studying that field. And there's no wiser, knowledgeable being in the universe than the author of the Bible. There's, none, there's no greater teacher than the Holy Spirit. There's no greater book than the Bible. And the greatest privilege this side of heaven is to have a copy of the book. Amen. Recently, I received a letter from our friends in Nicaragua, and they celebrate. They have a holiday there. Christian Church does to celebrate the Bible being translated into Spanish. I mean, they have parades, they have floats, they have. It's just a big day. Paul says, "Don't be, don't be unwise when it comes to knowing the Scripture, because that's where you're going to find the will of God." Amen. So how do I recognize the will of God? I know God personally. I know the Holy Spirit. I'm dependent on Him to lead me and to empower me. And then, I know the Word. I know God. I know the Word. I know the Spirit. And I know the Word. Now I've listed those three words. God, the Spirit, the Word that reveal to us God's will. Now, I was reading a book by O.S. Hawkins... And in this book, he was speaking about the will of God. 
And he used three words to show three, he just used three words to describe three practical ways in finding God's will. And I'm going to give those to you real quick. Make real good sense. And you can put them along those first three, so we got six. The first being desire. Desire. God will never call you to do a certain assignment without planning a desire in your heart. Psalms 37, verse 4. Psalms 37, verse 4. Listen to God's word. Delight thyself in the Lord. Now listen. And he shall give thee the desires of thy heart. Now, I made the statement, God will never call you to do a certain assignment without first giving you a desire or placing or putting a desire in your heart. So the one who knows God, abides in the Spirit, abides in the Scripture. Now here's the point on Psalms 37. The desires of the heart are implanted by God Himself. Now listen. He gives the desires that are in our heart. Don't misunderstand that passage of Scripture. And it has been taken out of context a lot. He's not teaching here. He's not saying that God will give you whatever you want. But he's saying, the passage is saying that God places or puts or hands down his desire to your heart. This is, this is awesome. So, your heart's desire is from God. And God will never ask you to do anything unless He places that desire in your heart. Amen. To know God's will, to know the Spirit, to know His Word, there must be a desire in your heart planted by God. I was speaking to a person just yesterday, and unknowing we were we were talking and and we were talking about the desires of our heart, and there's a desire that's implanted in their heart. Second word, not only there must be a desire, but there must be an opportunity. God's desires are accompanied by opportunities. You see, the difference between my desire and God's desire is opportunity. So God gives us a desire, then he gives us the opportunity, and the third word is, or third point should say is just keep walking. In other words, trust God to open and close doors. He gives you the desire. He gives you the opportunity. By faith you step forward and you start walking toward that desire and God opens doors or God closes doors and God puts you right where He wants you to be in regards to His will. A good example of this is in Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, you have, you have Paul and Paul is um, on a missionary trip. Chapter uh, 16, verse 7. 
after they were come to to Massa, they essayed to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. That's key. They came to one certain place. They wanted to go on to Bithynia, but the Spirit wouldn't let them go. Just closed the door. And so, verse 8, And passing by Massa, coming down to Troas, a vision appeared to Paul in the night. And there stood a man of Macedonia, in verse 10, prayed, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for us to preach the gospel to them. So God closed the door to Bithynia. But then at the same time, that night he has a dream and he has someone calling him to Macedonia. And he uses an interesting word there. He talks about assuredly gathering in the King James Version. The the, um, ESV has concluding, uses the word that's really a better word. It comes from the word sembabazo, which means to conclude. After concluding, after putting everything together, concluding, it all came together. Paul said, I know now why he didn't let us go to Bithynia because he wants us to go to Macedonia. It's all coming together. So he closed one door to open another door to direct them exactly where he needed them to be. So Paul sought the will of God. He found the will of God. And because of that, revival broke out there in Macedonia. This morning as we close, let me just say this. That God has a purpose for your life. He has will for your life. He's not trying to conceal it from you. But he wants you to accept it. And he wants you to walk in it. And to recognize it and to know Him, uh, to know it, you must know God personally. You must know His Holy Spirit. You must allow His Holy Spirit to control you and to guide you. You must know His Word. His will and His Word. Let me just say this. I left that out a few minutes ago. Let me go back and say it. Let me just say, His will and His Word will never contradict each other. Never. I was talking to a person recently and... And uh, they shared about divorce and they shared how they felt like they would be better parents if, if they were divorced. That's contrary to His Word. His will for your life and His Word will never contradict each other. If it contradicts each other, you stop right where you are. Don't go, any step, don't go another step further. Because you're fixing to make some bad decisions. To know His Word, His will, His Word will not contradict. So practical ways, God will plant a desire. He'll provide an opportunity. We have to keep on walking. God opens the door. He closes those doors. And the hardest thing really is not knowing God's will, but it's what? Doing God's will. Let me give an example. What's God's will for you attending church? You know God's will for that? It's not knowing, trying to figure out what His will is for you to attend church. What's His will in regards to tithing? You know God's will. You've been a Baptist for a year and you haven't figured out yet what God's will in regard to tithing is? 
If you've been here for 20 years or 30 years and you still ain't figured it out, is God hiding that? What's God's will for witnessing? Is it that we're really having a difficult time in finding out His will? The difficult time is not finding His will, but what? Obeying His will. Jesus knew what God's will was for the cross. That wasn't why He was sweating great drops of sweated blood or sweat blood. It was doing His will. And then He ended up by saying what? Nevertheless... Not my will, but your will be done. You see, Jesus knew the will of God. He just pleaded that bitter cup would be allowed to be passed from him. But then he said, nevertheless, there in verse 42. Now, there are difficult times in our lives where we struggle in vocational decision and uh, other types of decisions that's not so simple but a lot of the Christian um, disciplines we know we know and there's just a passage of scripture in there it's not referring so much to um, it's not referring it's not referring at all to salvation by works it speaks about obedience Matthew seven twenty one. Not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father which is in heaven. It's about obedience. It's not about obedience to be saved. But after we are saved, then Jesus said, Why call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things that I ask you to do. And so those things that we know, we need to do. Those things we're struggling with, then we need to read more, study more, explore God's Word more, pray more, depend on the Holy Spirit to guide us, make sure we have God's desire in our heart, not our desire, then be willing to step out in faith and let Him start opening the doors and closing the doors. And it's a day-by-day thing. Some, pers- some people may say, well, what's God's will in regards to this? And maybe it's five years down the I've discovered that if I'm in God's will today and if I'm in God's will tomorrow and if I'm in God's will Tuesday and if I'm in God's will Wednesday, I'm in God's will. Take it a day at a time and God will put you right where He wants you. I don't know what you're going through right now. Terry found a song. He couldn't find the music for it, but he found a song. We're going to listen to it this morning as we close with this message. And it's about being in God's place and being in God's plan, about being in God's will. And whatever you're going through right now, whatever storm you might be going through, God will lead you through it, and He'll put you right where He wants you. And so this might just be a part of His plan to get you where He wants you to be. And so listen to this just for a moment. You can use this time to come and pray if you'd like. And uh, I'll be glad to pray with you. But as we listen, listen uh, to this song. And uh, let God speak to your hearts by Michael, uh, Michael Wayne Smith. Until the storm is over, you come as we listen. Okay.
traveled on this journey I've never seen a storm like this before I keep listening for the thunder While the clouds hovering over take their form You will guide me So to your nail-scarred hairs Lord, I will cling And though I may not want this trial I know that it will be just what I need But until the storm is over Lord, come and 